what we knew need to do is take that data and take those those mechanisms and do a lot of orchestration and automation because we have to be you know just one step ahead are the adversaries they're using ai machine learning within their tools hi i'm marianne Bohr with hims in this episode we're sitting down with troy emmett field healthcare ciso at fortinet today we'll be talking about giving healthcare executives a guide to understanding how their organizations can be positioned to protect against emerging ransomware threats before we start Let's say thank you to Fortinet for sponsoring this podcast. Well, Troy, thanks for joining us today. Hey, thanks for having me, Mary. You know, healthcare and life science organizations have had a significant increase in ransomware attacks during the past 12 months. So what's your perspective on these new and evolving threats that these organizations face? Yeah, you know, you're right. Uh, organizations today, you know, specifically in the last 12 to 18 months during the uh, you know, I would say somewhat of the height of the pandemic, uh, found themselves in a precarious situation. Many, many healthcare organizations were being targeted by ransomware attacks. And these ransomware attacks weren't new to health systems. What was new to health systems was, was really around, you know, the impact that it had to their operations, right? So they were seeing significant impacts to, you know, and having to do patient diversion within their ERs and significant revenue loss during a year that, or a couple of years that they already had to, in some scenarios, cancel elective procedures. It's, it's definitely clear that the clinical and operational impacts were unprecedented. So Troy, let's chat for a minute about how organizations are being impacted on that patient care and the safety revenue and brand impacts. Yeah, you know, so in, in my former lives, you know, I, I oversaw, you know, the implementation and digital transformation of a, a very large health system, right? We have 46 hospitals. We did digital transformation kind of during the meaningful use era. And what was great about that is we created a lot of automation, you know, making nurses more, nurses and clinicians, um, you know, really across the spectrum, more efficient, better patient safety, and introduce a lot of automation, right? Things like, you know, integrating vitals machines and, you know, really orchestrating and, and automating, you know, really the whole laboratory and radiology workflows, cardiology as well. You know, I would say over the past eight to 10 years, there's, there's been a significant, you know, digital adoption. I think we're, we're adopted from a digital perspective. We're using all these tools. Now we're just really enhancing what we're doing through AI and machine learning and utilizing that data really a lot better. But what we're seeing from a from an operational impact perspective with with regard to health systems is is you know the the adversaries have saw that digital adoption they've been funded very well and they're having success. So you know what's happening within these ransomware attacks is the adversaries are are targeting uh, healthcare organizations. You know sometimes it's the underlying infrastructure, right? So things like DNS servers, domain controllers, you know really that foundational network security layer that everything relies upon, whether it's things like phone systems, paging systems, all the way up the stack, whether it's, it's you know, advanced robots uh, for doing, for doing um, surgeries, those types of things. And what we're seeing is, you know, the start of a ransomware attack. Um, unfortunately, a lot of times the adversaries also know that there's limited technology staff on site during the weekend. So that's when they're um, starting their attack. They probably stage their attacks in the days or weeks ahead of time. Um, but these downtimes that health systems are having now are, 
you know, in essence from, you know, maybe two to eight weeks. And it starts, you know, within their organizations, affecting communications, bringing down their electronic medical records, and just having a huge disruption to their environment. Yeah, now, found, now uh, foundational security practices are pivotal in safeguarding against current and future threats like identity and access management, zero trust and IT governance. Now, Troy, how important do you see these and other practices for organizations to consider? Yeah, you know, um, when we when I provide advisement to boards and CEOs and CISOs and CIOs, the first discussion I always have and, you know, um, is learning a little bit about, you know, where they're at from a foundational security practice. And, and the reason I say that and the reason I do that is because everything uh, builds upon it. So, you know, having a great asset management program, what does that mean? That, that means really understanding and knowing everything that's that's happening within or in, in the assets and devices that you have in your, your environment, right? So you know what that threat landscape is. Uh, and then it builds upon that. So you're use, utilizing that intelligence, the data that you have, the devices that you need to secure to build things like vulnerability management programs, uh, segmentation programs. But then really at, at Fortinet, one thing that we do is we've aligned our security technology to the NIST framework. And you know, to that end and through that journey, organizations can really improve their cybersecurity maturity, improve their cybersecurity uh, maturity through the through those different levels, um, become much more advanced. But sometimes what we see is organizations jump to maybe some shiny objects, right? Maybe they want to do things around deception and AI before they have a good handle on on asset management. So, you know, they can find themselves maybe compromised. Maybe they're doing some very advanced things from a cybersecurity perspective, but they miss some of the underlying foundational uh, best practices, right? Things like multi-factor authentication and network segmentation, those types of things. So, so we start there, we, we talk about, um, you know, what's in place today, maybe start with a, a security uh, threat assessment, you know, ensure that, before we move on to more advanced uh, characteristics of a security program that we're in good shape at the foundation. Right, yeah, you've got to have a good security foundation for sure. Now, Troy, uh, it's true that healthcare organizations are challenged these days to protect their internal data centers and systems. So could you talk a little bit about how third-party risk and cloud providers need to be a focus for healthcare organizations? Yeah, you know, I'll touch on that, both on third parties, but then also I, I want to add on about, you know, managing mergers and acquisitions as well. So, uh, you know, third party risk, you know, as, a, as an executive and leadership team within an organization, a lot of organizations to be, to really be more agile, because a lot of organizations are growing through acquisition and, and their systems need to be really agile with their growth. They're investing in a lot of SaaS-based solutions. So that could be an HR payroll system, that could be maybe moving their EMR to the cloud or, or maybe a point-based solution within their environment within, within one of their ancillary clinical areas. And so to that end, they're passing some of that security uh, ownership onto third parties. And you know that can look like, like I said, maybe a, a third-party payroll system hosted in a SaaS environment and you know, other applications from that perspective. What's important is to, to make sure within your risk register and with your enterprise risk management you know, governance that, that you really understand who's owning what part of the risk, making sure you're doing really good security assessments of those third-party vendors 
And then making sure that you have business continuity and DR plans that are aligned to those technologies, you know, that, that becomes very important as well. So, you know, what we've seen, unfortunately, not only health systems be attacked and, and impacted by ransomware attacks within their own data centers, within their own, their own environments, but then also the third parties. And, and that can be uh, a business disruption, you know, maybe for weeks, you know, to, to different systems that impact the operations of an organization. But then that, that can also be a, a loss of patient records and a significant breach for that organization as well. And then the, the other part that I just want to add on there as well is, is, you know, through these acquisitions and growth of health systems, you know, taking a significant uh, look during the due diligence period of an acquisition of a, you know, large health system or small health system to ensure you understand where your cybersecurity program is going as you do that acquisition and then you know, planning and budgeting for any remediation that might need to be done. And then also maybe segmenting that organization away from your own to prevent a larger breach inside of a, of a larger, larger part of the organization. Yes, I'm, I'm glad you touched on that because our next question kind of dovetails with that. Um, mm-hmm. Let's talk about how IT governance and clinical business alignment are key to keeping cybersecurity. Yeah, yeah, you know, it's so important because as organizations digitally transform today, having your your information technology and your security teams embedded within the business units is is very very important, right? You know, if you if you take a look at, you know, where an organization might be at from a virtual visit platform perspective, you know, maybe they're looking to grow and change, you know, with that change. You know, what the adversaries are doing is they're doing their own research, right? So they're staying on top of you know, maybe where health systems are pivoting and growing and transforming today. And then they're attacking those assets such as virtual visit platforms. So, you know, I think um, to ensure really long, you know, and successful life cycle management of security within um, an organization, you have to have, you know, business security analysts embedded, clinical security analysts embedded into those those teams to ensure that as they're building out new capabilities, maybe that could be within research and uh, within an organization, or that could be a new virtual visit platform that they're considering and including, you know, uh, security within those projects. One thing that's really been challenging for healthcare and life sciences is the cybersecurity talent gap. What are some strategies you could suggest to overcome this challenge? Yeah, you know, so as I have discussions with with CISOs and CIOs, this is certainly, you know, really top of mind. Um, and one of the biggest challenges with regard to implementation of different technologies and maintaining a security program. So I think some of the advice I would give is 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 you know really multi multi layered, very similar security programs, right? I think it it requires strong partnerships with human resources, educating them about you know where we're at from a from a, um, you know, skills perspective and being able to retain our employees and, and, you know, what I hear from a lot of health systems across the United States is now that we're in a much more work from home model, a lot of our cybersecurity talent can work for, from anywhere and for anyone, right? So Mm -hmm. if you're, you know, a a mid-sized health system in a smaller market and you've been able to retain talent that wants to stay there and grow there because their family's there, you maybe had an an edge, right? As a largest employer in that, in that market. Well, now that same talent has much more opportunity to kind of work from anywhere inside and outside of healthcare. Um, So I think, educating your HR department that, hey, you know, our competition from a, from a um, you know, maybe from 
compensation perspective, that's not the only perspective. It could be, you know, you know, training and, and other opportunities and, and um, you know, maybe growth within their career. I think that's important. I think having a pipeline though, as well, that's another perspective that I think a lot of organizations are, are doing a great job of that, that I see um, maybe, maybe uh, having success is, is, is really having a lot of university partnerships. There's a number of universities that have built really strong cybersecurity programs. And I, I think getting out there, meeting with those students proactively a couple times a year and building that internship pipeline uh, as well. And then lastly, I guess the last comment I would have is there's, there's nothing better than, than utilizing the healthcare providers within our own organization. So, you know, within my identity and access management programs, I've, you know, recruited and trained, you know, um, staff from our, you know, maybe patient access areas, maybe ward secretaries from those areas of organizations, because they really understand the environment. So they can do a great job of, of building, um, you know, security profiles, that, you know, once they get some training, that type of thing. So it, it provides a great um, career path for them to enter cybersecurity. You know, so the last, um, you know, part of a security program is, is really enabling and training and, and utilizing internal uh, hospital staff, right? So a lot of patient access staff and ward secretaries and, and some clinicians that are interested in getting into a new, a new market, right? Or a new opportunity, um, you know, maybe in changing where they're going from a career perspective can enter the cybersecurity field um, because they have so much of that intellectual knowledge of being a clinician and being a part of the organization. Certainly within identity and access management, that is a, a significant area that I've seen organizations be able to, to leverage. That last point is terrific because you really cannot beat institutional knowledge when it comes to keeping you know, your uh, cybersecurity intact. Well, Troy, what are some advanced security technologies that could allow healthcare organizations to really kind of stay one step ahead of threats? Yeah, great question. And, and I think because we, we've talked a little bit about, you know, foundational security practices and governance and, and some of the skills gap, we're not going to solve this necessarily with, with just more and more people, right? We need to take the security and foundational security practices that we've put in place. And, and what we knew, need to do is take that data and take those, those mechanisms and do a lot of orchestration and automation because we have to be you know just one step ahead Our, the adversaries they're using ai machine learning within their tools mm-hmm. you know to gather intelligence about us and our organizations and we need to be doing and fighting back with the same the same tools so some of the the really cool things that i'm excited about um you know are are things that you know take a look at the adversaries and what they're doing and and automate the responses so the greatest threat hunters within our organizations, they'll, they'll find a, an adversary and, and, and something that they're doing within our environment or attack method, and, and they'll implement a change. But then they'll look at that example and they'll create automation around it. So they don't no longer have to do it manually. So that the firewalls automatically block adversaries that are using those same techniques or maybe create you know high-level alerts for SOC teams that maybe need to take a look at those, um, those threats in a more automated fashion. Another area that's really exciting is, is things um, called uh, honeypotting or deception. So what that is, is, is things like use, using tools that put fake or what we call decoy, similar to duck hunting, 
um, medical devices on the network. And, and what happens there is when an adversary tries to contact those fake or decoy medical devices, you know, those, those things are, are, are set up to only do a few different things and be connected to and from a few different network devices. Uh, so they can send very high um, accurate alerts to SOC teams um, to alert them of maybe an, an early stage attack or maybe an adversary doing reconnaissance against a multi-factor authentication employee portal that you can put out there as a decoy. Um, you know, so that, that would be a couple different areas but certainly, I, I think the one thing I would emphasize is, is just utilizing automation to solve for some of the, the, um, the skills gap, and then some scenarios um, being unable to fill open positions and grow the team. Wow, that's pretty, that's pretty exciting. I, I like that idea of just having, you know, isolated things so you can kind of get an idea of what they're using to attack. Well, Troy, thank you so much for joining us today and for your insights. And a special thanks to Fortinet for sponsoring our podcast today. Have a fantastic rest of your day.